me a favor, uh, man, we're, we're getting ready to have a great word for you. We're closing out our series on our Anchor, which is our core value series. And uh, man, I, I felt it was no better than to close this out uh, with some amazing leaders here at Anchor Chapel. I've grown to know them. They're not just leaders. They're family to me. And uh, man, I love their family. I love their kids. I love them. They love me. They take care of us so, so well. It's just certain people that encourage you and make you feel like you can face tomorrow. And uh, man, I'm excited to bring them up. And if you will, man, make some noise, some crazy, as, as Kirk Frank would say, make some crazy Holy Ghost noise in here right now for Andy and Michelle Bond. Come on, give them a big hand clap of praise. Woo! I get to pull that chair closer and come sit around my table with me. Thank you, Terry. Uh, you're, you're doing amazing. Thank you. So good. Give it up for Terry, guys. I said they won't be able to see her if she sits in the back. So you're calling your wife short? Shorty. Uh, September 21st, we have our first married nightlife, and they're my first counseling session. Uh, but man, uh, I'm excited to have y'all here with us. Um, I hear music playing. That must be the kids in the back jamming out. But uh, I'm excited to have you guys here uh, sharing the word. So, Andy, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do here at Anchor, if you don't mind, and both yeah. of you guys. So, uh, my name is Andy Bond. Um, I'm one of the, so I lead, my wife and I, Michelle, we lead the small group ministry here. Um, and we've been attending for almost seven years. Uh, <laughs> so, we're one of the, you know, the OGs, the old the old folk. Uh, <laughs> old gangsters. We have three kids in the back, uh, Noah, Riley. And Lily, um, and yeah, we've just we've been around and and serving faithfully ever since. And this is my wife, Michelle. Hey guys, I'm uh, Michelle Bond. Um, like Andy said, we lead uh, anchor groups. We are very passionate about um, making this big space uh, feel much smaller and um, building community because that's where um, the life giving discipleship really happens. Um, I'm a nurse throughout you know the rest of the days of the week. <laughs> Uh, labor and delivery. So I get to work with mamas and babies, and I love it. Yeah. Come on, let's give them a hand, guys. And there's some amazing communicators, so you're in for a treat today. So uh, closing out this uh, Anchor series, we, we've went through all of our core values. Um, I, I want to see if anyone can name them all. Ooh-wee www.anchorchapel.com pull it up <laughs> info what we believe <laughs> that's the mission <laughs> authenticity and all things celebrate the big and a little thing serve our community excellence in all that we do and today we're going to talk about leadership and discipleship. And so uh, I'm excited to talk about leadership and discipleship, especially with these two as they lead up our uh, anchor groups, and which is kicking off next week. Uh, semester is kicking off next week. So I'm excited about that. But guys, as followers of Jesus, we have the responsibility to lead and make disciples. We say we. Sometimes we put that pressure on the pastor or the leaders and we say, hey, it's their job to lead and create disciples. But the truth is, if you are a believer and you believe in Jesus Christ, number one, you're a leader. Number two, you are called to make disciples. When he gave us the Great Commission, uh, he told us go and make what? 
disciples of all nations. Uh, and that takes uh, leadership. And you have to own that as a believer. Jesus gave us a great example of how to execute both, of how to lead and be a discipler. And he used his influence that he had with the 12, well, 3, 12, 70, 120, 300, 3,000, 5,000, 15,000. And the Bible just says multitude after that. And so he did this. And, and why is this important? Because the kingdom expands when we're creating leaders and discipleship. The whole goal is to expand the kingdom of God. Uh, take our old Dino Rizzoism. Uh, plunder hell, populate heaven. You know, that's the whole goal. We want to take more, more people out of the percentage of hell and put them into the percentage of the kingdom. I don't want to get to heaven and everyone I've walked past is standing over there asking Jesus why I can't enter. Amen. I, I don't want to experience that. I have a burden for lost souls. I'm at the football game. We had a football game down at East Deborahville and I'm down there preaching you know, literally preaching on the track, you know, to people at a football game. Why? Because I have that burden because I've taken, just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean I'm a leader. Pastor is my title, not who I'm. My name is Fitzpatrick. One kid asked me the other day, is your first name pastor or are you really a pastor? He said, because you know, I'm a rapper and they call me pastor too. I was like, wow, <laughs> what they do that at? You know, like. But anyway, so today we want to talk about these two core values, and, I, and I'm going to ask these guys some questions, and they're going to share their heart with you on these things, because our goal is to raise up and go through all these core values that we could bring hope for every soul. So guys, I got a question for you. I don't know who's going to take this one first, but the first one is this, and I think everyone wants to know, what is a leader and who is called to be one? Um, simply put, Everyone. Uh, I think a lot of times when we hear about leadership, we often think in the business sense. And when we look um, at leaders, we're always like, okay, they need a certain skill set. They need to be able to communicate. They need to be organized. And there's all these qualifications that we put on people. But I feel like when we look at scripture, it's the complete opposite. And it's actually very <laughs> simplified. Oftentimes, I mean, he called the unqualified. Um, and I think for anyone who has been in church for a long time, this is the very common scripture uh, that is used when we talk about true leadership. And it's having the heart of a servant. Um, it's when Jesus is sitting down with the disciples. They all enter in and they are reclined at the table to have a meal. And it's not like today where you have a high top table. This table is low to the ground. You're like, you know, sitting essentially on the ground. Your feet are up near where everyone is about to eat. Okay. And they wear sandals. Their feet are disgusting. And so Jesus sees a need and he sees that no one has taken the time to wash their feet. So he takes off his outer garment, which that right there is such a sign of humility. Um, because often, you know, when we look back in Genesis, the nakedness is what brought shame. And so now he is simply in his undergarment in front of those who are closest to him. He gets down on his knees and he washes their feet, which is like the dirtiest part on That's them right good. now. Yeah. And so I think when we look at that, like that is what we're called to do. And it says, John 13, 14 through 15. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So again, this, this verse answers that. A leader is someone who serves. You see a need and you meet it. You don't have to be qualified. You don't have to be put with a title. 
you just take ownership that God has called you to do something beyond yourself and to serve people, and you do that. So bring in the wash tubs. We're getting ready to wash some feet in here. Just, just it's not happening. If, if God calls me to, I will. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just to follow up on that, I think what she says, it's not a title, right? I think if you were to ask a lot of people, like, do you want to be a leader? A lot of people will say, yeah. You go, cool. Do you want a lot more responsibility? They'll be like, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to own that title of leadership. And that's all true leadership is, is when you, See, we all have influence. We all have some type of influence in our life. You, you are if you're honest with yourself. But do you really own that responsibility of your influence and that you have over people? Because you do have it and, it, and it can grow. And God talks a lot about if I can trust you with a little, I can mm. trust you with a lot. Like, so if you can step in and say that, okay, I'm going to take what you've given me, my time, my talent, my treasure, because I think we're, we're all in different stages of life. I always joke with Michelle that, like, I love that time, talent, treasure split into three because college students have no money, but they got a lot of time. <laughs> so, like, I want to see young people serving at the church and doing things and volunteering because they don't have kids. They don't, you know what I mean? They have money. They have our money. But then you meet some people, successful <laughs> businessmen, people that you may not see them around a lot of the church. That doesn't mean... They're not participating. Maybe they are the financial backbone of the church. Yeah. That we all have callings and influence to be leaders in different ways. And wow. it's just, you, you, can you own that and make it a priority? Because we all say that the church, God, is a priority. But when you list your time and your treasure and where it's mm. going, are those, is that really near the top? Is it, is it where it's supposed to be? That's good because um, I, I would say that we've somehow depreciated or devalued people, like you said, the business owner who don't have time, mm -hmm. you know? And we say, well, such and such is at the church all day, every day, and so they must be the great leaders in the church. And honestly, that, that sometimes that's not true. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just because you're present don't mean you're active. That's right. And so, uh, especially here at Anchor, guys, one, one of the things I always have to encourage myself with is sometimes y'all don't understand the faithfulness of the people at Anchor. Uh, we may not have a full room. If everyone show up, we don't have enough chairs. If everyone that supports Anchor shows up at one time, we really don't have enough chairs. I mean, that's just the God's honest truth. But I don't demean them for not showing up because they still support that's right. We're still able to do missions. We're still able to take care of everything that we need to take care of because they're still a part. They're participating in their own way. Correct. And I, I believe as the church, sometimes we, we put our 21st century expectations on people and say, you're a leader, you know, other than that. Anything I want to add to that? Um, just when we were talking about this, one other scripture that I came across, um, when it was showing kind of like the guidelines of a leader, this one was more specifically for the elder and it was giving out their qualifications. Um, it's in first Peter five, but after you go through the roles and the qualities of the elder in verse five, it says in the same way, the younger ones would willingly support the leadership of the elders Ooh. in every relationship. Each of you just wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant because God resists you when you are proud, but multiplies grace and favor when you are humble. 
And um, I think this just shows that while, yes, you have your pastors, your elders, your leaders who are to pour into you, you as a body are supposed to pour back in. Because though, yes, Christ is our center and he is our source, we are called to encourage one another. There's the other scripture that talks about the different parts of the body. Mm. The elders and the leaders That's and your good. pastor need you. They need the encouragement, the prayer, and the support to make it through this life of ministry because that's what it really is. It's not a moment. It's not a Sunday morning. This is life of ministry for all of you, and you are all called. Um, I'll just end with this thought with a quote that I came across when um, we were studying for this, and it was very fitting. It's uh, by John Quincy Adams. It says, if your actions inspire others to dream more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Wow. That's really good. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, like, about how we, we super pigeonhole that term leader, and I think you confuse leader with authority a lot, that Whoa. leaders are only those with authority over others, and it becomes <laughs> this demeaning thing or this, like, controlling, because, you know, I think that is a Western mindset. We think mm-hmm. of leadership, you talked about that earlier, you, we confuse it with business. But the best leaders of your business, if they're just an authority, they're probably a bad leader. Wow. So, like, good leaders are people that you follow without even being asked. They inspire you. They bring you up. And, and like, sometimes I think about, like, how do you – you're like, I'm just a member of the church. How am I supposed to be a, a leader of the church? And the reality is that the statistics show that about 20% of the church – does all the work of the church. And it's, that becomes more true Say as again. about 20% of the body does about all the work. So that means if I have 100 people sitting here. Then about 20 of them are carrying the weight. Wow. Now, that isn't to shame anybody because we want new people coming in. And when people come for their first time, I, we don't want to put any weight on them that, that, that time. But the reality is, is that we all need follower leaders. I think of... I think of Jonathan, I think of the armor bearer of David and people who just, they were humble and they were like, you know what, I'm going to own this moment. Like, and I'm going to try to be a leader where I'm at and do with whatever I can with where I'm at. Wow. Wow. So this, this whole leadership thing, it looks like you guys flipped it on the head. It's really the servant is the leader. That's right. Right. And I, and so I want you guys to understand something, a dynamic. At Anchor Chapel, we don't count ourselves higher. That's right. We really look at ourselves as your servants. And we want all of us, imagine if all of us took that posture that they just laid out about leadership as individuals in the house of God. How many people that were wounded by church leaders who took an authoritative pose and became their master instead of their pastor? Wow. Um, and now they don't want to be a part of the body of Christ. They, 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 this individualized the deconstruction of their faith. And it's all because of a wound of an authoritative figure. And the truth is authoritative leadership is the lowest form of leadership. That's right. You know, if I have to dominate you to get you to do something, I'm not a good leader. It should flow from, and and that's what I'm hearing from you guys, that Jesus was like, I'm going to influence you. I'm going to wash your feet because I want to influence you to come into the kingdom of God. Anything y'all want to throw out there on that? I think one of my favorite things about, like, for example, 
I always see you out there. I always see the people like it's not, you know, sometimes I've been to churches and I don't want to, I'm not calling out churches, but like after pastor preaches, he kind of just disappears <laughs> and you don't know him and you've never met them. And man, I was going to do that today. <laughs> I just, <laughs> or like, I, I want to see a church alive. And like you said, servant. So if, if Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, what would that humility look like in all of us? Wow. Would that be a parking ministry that gives you no glory? Would it be maybe serving with kids because they're shorthanded this week and you weren't planning on doing that, but you notice there's only one person serving back there and maybe you're going to step up and serve and be and humble yourself? Like, no one likes being here in those things because like, you're like, oh, <laughs> come on. But, but a lot of times leadership is seeing a need and being humble enough to meet it, yes. no matter what that need is. Because I think sometimes we look at like, I, I have a talent, I'm a singer, and so that's what I do. But sometimes the best serving is not the thing that you love to do. Ooh. Because it's not a sacrifice if you love it. Uh, Andy. Sorry, I'm not meaning to be. Uh, no, yeah. Andy, go, go. <laughs> so I would, I would advocate, like, occasionally, you know, would, in an ideal situation, we have so many people serving in the church that everyone is in their lane and they're killing it. But who's passionate about cleaning toilets? <laughs> That's not a, there is no one who has that passion, so someone has to be a leader and step up. Wow, that is good. Andy, sacrifices is a big part of it. So I have a question, another question. What is a leader not? You, you told us what a leader is, but we need to identify the antithesis of that. So tell me what a leader's not. You want to answer this one? Sure. Um, perfect. I think oftentimes, just like in business, like I was saying, we look at all these qualifications and we're like, okay, God, I'm not there yet. Um, we look at people in scripture and we always remember the great things that they were honored for. Um, their big moments, you know, where God used them, but we forget about their backstory. We forget about David who committed adultery and had a man murdered. But we remember in Hebrews that he is called again a a man after God's own heart. Mm. Um, we look at uh, like Rahab. Yeah. She was in scripture, it calls her Rahab the prostitute. Jeez. She is remembered a little by her occupation, but God saw more than that. Wow. He saw that she would be the one who would have a greater faith than others to protect his spies. Yeah. So again, she is remembered in Hebrews as well. We have to remember that God sees beyond what we see. God sees our value. And I believe that a leader does the same thing. They see the same value in everyone. Now, it doesn't mean we're all called to the same thing, but we all have the same potential because God has placed purpose on each and every one of us. Yeah. Um, also, look at Abraham. If you look in Genesis 12, God tells him, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. He doesn't give clear direction to Abraham. He just says, go and know that I will be there. And I think sometimes as a leader, you have to remember that with Jesus, it's going to feel like there's this huge risk and that it's a leap of faith. But once you actually step into that, you can let go of your weight, your strength, step into his strength, which is far beyond anything that you could ever do and embrace the promised land that he does have for each of us individual individually. Wow. That's good. So I, I like that you, that you said when you're following Jesus, there is a risk when you're leading 
in his realm that he calls you to lead. It, it's different. And, and it's funny that the world has bought more into this. I, I sit with a lot of business, business owners and business leaders, and, and that's part of my job, and civic leaders and municipal leaders, municipality leaders, governors and mayors. I, I sit with them all. And they're all, they're all willing to risk it all for what they believe in. Why, and, and this is off script, but I want y'all to answer this. Why is it that when it comes to ecclesiastical leadership or being a believer, a Christian leader, why is it that we don't want to risk anything? We, we want the most, uh, the most safe, protected, secure, absolute bet in everything when the Bible calls us to live by faith. T tell, tell me just in your experience, because you're a business owner and you guys are, I'm not ashamed to say it's successful. I mean, I mean, you guys are very successful. And what, why is it that when it comes to our faith, we don't want to take a risk? You want to try? Um, as you're saying, I just kept thinking of uh, when God was going through the wilderness with the Israelites and he was their bread by day and their fire mm. by night, um, but they didn't see it. I kind of feel like the church right now is in that wilderness <laughs> that God is here and providing, but we're turning a blind eye because we're like, well, I don't see people being raised from the dead like in scripture. I don't see blind people seeing again. And so because we're not seeing these big miracles, we're missing the small ones that are happening every day that should be building our faith. And so I think right now there is a calling on the church because there is a mass exodus happening. Yeah. And I think if we could start embracing the small miracles that we see every day in the church and building each other's faith, that we would see more radical change. And we would see those big miracles again, because I believe scripture shows that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to raise from the dead. He wants to, the blind to see, but it's going to start with us taking a step of faith and trusting that just like we sang today, that he is who he says he is, that his promises don't fail. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I think it is time for a shift in our perspective. That's good. That's good. I'd say, um, I think about church growth or any growth, business growth. At the beginning of any new venture, when you're starting something and there's a lot of passion, your motivation is all about what you could gain, what, what, what can grow. But once you've grown, sometimes that, that safe, it can flip, where now you're just concerned about what you could lose. So you, so you lose your fire, you lose your passion as a church, you, because, and you, you get safe. Because you don't want to offend. I don't want to offend the new friend that I just brought to church. I don't want to offend the person in my small group. So I'm gonna keep it. I'm just gonna preach a real simple, safe gospel. You know, it's it's easy. His burden is light. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna We're not gonna even use the Bible today. We're not even gonna. No repentance. No. You know, the, there's there's so much more to the doctrine than, than just accepting. It's beyond that. You were supposed to be sanctified and growing to become more like Jesus. And sometimes those are difficult conversations. So we play it. I think we play it safe. Um, but as, as leaders, if we're going to be leaders, the, the ironic part about that is, if we play it safe, the church will decrease. Wow. It's the fire is what makes it grow. The Holy Spirit, he says, don't be, no matter what, just don't be lukewarm. Be cold or hot, don't be lukewarm.
Benediction time. <laughs> that was so good. But Andy, jeez. Uh, All right, go. Just go. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Um, I say. So we can. You asked what a leader is not. Um, yeah. A thing I wanted to talk about too is, uh, and this is I think this is so important for you sitting in the chair right now is that a leader is also not an expert in everything. Um, I think of so we lead thank sm- the Lord. Yes, thank you. Because <laughs> I'm horrible. So we lead small groups. Um, we lead the small group leaders that we encourage them. And if you, I would I'm begging. We start next week, and it's not too late. This is a great week to sign up to say I'm willing to host a small group because we need more people just to be hosts. But a lot of times that fear is, I just don't know my Bible that well. I can't, I'm not as well spoken as you. And I, I really love in Exodus 4.10, uh, you know the scripture, Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who, man, who made man's mouth? Who will make him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be... Uh, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And that scripture, you know, you read, if you're, if you're starting a small group, can still be like, ah, I'm still really nervous. I still, I'm not sure, like, if I can do this. And I would say just take a step. I think that's a lot of times all leadership is. It's being willing to take that next step and, and be humble. Because um, if you feel that weight of leadership and responsibility, I think that actually makes you the best candidate for leadership? Because if somebody just proud, doesn't care, I'd be like, I'm not sure I want that person in leadership because they're someone who's not humble. They're going to be arrogant. They're going to lead people astray. That's where we have problems in the church. I want people who take it seriously but also know there's so much grace if they make mistakes. Because there is. And that's as far as the leadership here, for anyone who would lead a small group, we got so much grace. If you're willing to take that step, do it. Amen. We are not perfect, I promise you. Oh, we have so many mistakes. I sent, when Pitts asked me to preach uh, what, a couple months back, I met with him. I was like, I got a word, but I'm not sure about it. Like, <laughs> I, needed, I needed him to like, I, I'm going to say some crazy things. I say that every week. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't know what I'm about to say, but uh, it's going to come out some kind of way. But I have another question for you. What is a great first step to become a leader? Me? Lead where you are now. Wherever you are now. Um, this idea that I'm going to lead when you make me a leader is not it. Um, <laughs> so what does that mean? If you're just a member of the church and you're like, I want to preach. First off, Express those things. Like, we want people to be humble, but if you have something God put in your heart, like, speak up. Mm -hmm. Like, we want to know who is anxious to express those giftings, and maybe we can do flow, or we can do Wednesday night service. Please come Wednesday night. Wednesday night's going to be fire. I cannot wait for worship. But it's also, I think there will be spontaneous spoken word. There will be moments. It will be God-filled. It's going to be really cool. Um, But yeah, just, just serve where, or not serve, just... I would say, well, here's one for the leadership. Probably one of the most important things is just be present. Mm-hmm. Be around. I've never had someone that I consider a leader and be like, I haven't seen them in two months. Uh, you, you need to be around. And does that necessarily mean Sundays? Sundays is not the whole ministry. If you're regularly do, attending small group, going to worship Wednesdays, doing the work days, small groups, it's not that you do all of it, but it's that the key is that to be a leader, you need to know the people. And 
to know the people you got to be around. Um, we've struggled with that. You know, we're coming on the tail end of eight years of having kids and we still got, you know, 18 more. Um, <laughs> and it's, it can be hard sometimes. And, and pastor has a lot of grace for us when they're just, we just can't make it this week or we're doing different things or maybe we can come, but we can't serve or we can't do this. Small group hosting is hard when you have a newborn and those things are tough, but um, we serve where we can. And, and hopefully that, that time opens up. What do you think? Um, and I guess just coming off of that too, like I want to speak, you know, the stay at home moms or dads in the room, like your children are the next generation. They are going to lead the next church, uh, the next harvest. So also we talk a lot about, you know, serving through here and leadership here. But when he says where you're at, like literally making sure that you are praying over your kids at home, how you're going to lead your household, because that is what the public sees, okay? We're not having people from the outside come in here and like taking notes and like judging us by how we're holding service right now. They're watching our life outside these doors. Wow. So start in your workplace, you know, step up and you see your leader, your manager, someone or a coworker struggling, help them where they're at. And when they see this change and they're like, what is this? All of a sudden you're wanting to help everyone. It's Jesus. And it all goes back to him. And I think that is where we begin to see a change in our community and not just in this building. So, um, yeah, that was good. So let's jump ahead a little bit. Discipleship. Spooky word in church, you know, like, you know, now in a time of, you know, the Gen Zers, you know, you got to come up with something cool to catch them. And uh, I, I think we've perfected uh, worship experience, and now that's become com common now. So when's your worship experience? When's your worship experience? But, uh, and we've left the word discipleship mm -hmm. by the wayside. So what does discipleship look like? Um, first, it happens through relationship. Uh, you can't disciple someone if you don't know them, because then you're just preaching to them. Um, so it starts with, again, the people at your workplace, in your small group, uh, your neighbor. Just get to know someone. Build relationship with them. Just practical, everyday life. When you look at Jesus, I mean, the woman at the well, he starts talking about water because that's what she's there for. Um, when he's, you know, talking to the disciples and, you know, uh, he would, you know, fed the 5,000 and he talks about fish and boats and things that they know. Talk to people about things that they know, learn their interest. And then from there, it's not like a sneaky thing because our heart is always for their soul and their eternity. After you build this relationship and you love on them, you begin to let them know that there is a greater person who loves them and everything about them, that they have a creator. Um, I mean, just like Pastor talked about in the beginning, I mean, that's what Jesus did. He had the 12, but he had the three. Um, it just starts with one or two people. And from there, once you grow that person, then it's exponential. And then it's the multitude. So. I mean, Andy, before you jump in, I want to say this. Everyone I talk to, anyone in here, when I talk to you, you know by the end of the conversation, <laughs> I'm coming after your heart. I mean, I, I, it doesn't matter where I am. I'm coming after your heart. And that's true discipleship. Like you said, relational. There, there's a quote. I, I, I don't want to. I don't know who to credit for this, but like I always say, um, rules without relationship, rules, rules without relationship produces rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so I can't disciple you without having a relationship, you know? And so, uh, and as I want to show you my heart before I ask for what's in your hand. And so I, I, I really live by that. So that's good. But Andy? Yeah, I think we've, like you said, the church occasionally moves away from discipleship. Um, you know, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, uh, Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And he had people discipling into him, and he was discipling into others, and it was always, no one is at the top. <laughs> like, we are all in a process of growth and change. And I think that is the key, is what discipleship, the root is like, it's to be disciplined in your faith. And I think a lot of times we don't want to be disciplined, frankly. Like, mm -hmm. nobody wants that. And so it becomes, Christianity becomes this, I'm just going to, like, we, we talked about at a leadership meeting about always being positive. And yes, we want to always be positive and, like, and breathe life into people. But if sometimes feedback isn't negativity, and I need that to be, like, heard, that feedback and, like, hey, I love you. Can, and I always like to ask permission. Say, hey, can I speak into something in your you, life? You're really, you're really consistent about that. Can I, I, can that. I please? Because even if for a second they're like, oh, uh, I'm like, you know what? I'll do it later. Because they're not ready. <laughs> they aren't ready to hear what I want to tell them. And so I want people to, to grow. But to do that, we all have to be at a, at a humble place. And so, um, and I, I really think that small groups, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep plugging small groups. You uh, better. Leader. I love Sunday mornings. <laughs> but I don't personally see Sunday mornings as a great format for discipleship, counseling, confession, accountability, individual celebration, celebrating the good and the, the things going on in your life, Facts. mourning when, you're, when you are in mourning, like prayer. We have prayer here, but it's, it's hard to be personal and really hear what's going on in your life so that I can pray specifically into your life and throughout the week. It's so hard to do that here. Um, and so whether you attend a small group officially, you need people discipling you and in your life that can be that person for you. Um, cause that's, that's what fills in being a Christian Sunday mornings is that's for God. And on my mind, like that's mm -hmm. for a moment to, to speak to God and for him to speak to us. But a lot of times small groups is it's that relational aspect that, um, it's just so easily missed. And so, um, yeah, we're going to be meeting next week after church. Y'all come by. <laughs> Join a small group. So, Michelle, who, who are we called to disciple? And team, you can come up. We kind of already touched on this, but everyone. Um, he, Pastor, already mentioned this in the beginning, but the scripture, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When we look at this, the, these verses, they make it clear that our mission in life is to share what Jesus has done in us so that they can know Jesus and then share what he did for them. Again, always one of my favorite stories is the woman at the well. Like God saw everything in her, her imperfections, but he saw beyond that she was about to become one of the first evangelists that he ever created. Hmm. And she went out and saved a whole town because of her experience with Jesus. And so that is, that's what we're called to do, to tell everyone what Jesus has done for us. Wow, that's good. Anything you want to add to that, Andy? 
Yeah, my um, my dad used to have this silly saying that I'd always rolled my eyes at as a kid, because <laughs> that's what you do when your dad says. <laughs> they they give you wisdom and they mask it in a joke, but then later on in life you start to really, you really start to understand. He used to say, "How how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time." And I think that scripture to make disciples of all nations is so daunting. It's such a worldwide calling for all of us. But God is just asking you to take a step. One step at a time. Be faithful where you're at. If you can serve, then serve joyfully. If you can give and you have some extra to give, please give. Pastor always likes to joke. He's like, I don't like asking people to give. That's not a joke. I'll do it for you. (laughs) Anytime you want to, buddy. And just be a supporter, be an armor bearer, not just for your pastors, because it's, I think oftentimes we want to honor up, right? We want, oh, we're going to honor. Wow. But honor the people beside you. Ooh. Honor the people below you, the people who need you, the people who need counseling that you see. If you have a strong marriage and you see someone struggling in their marriage, do what I, hey, can I speak into your life? Wow. Can I help you? Can I be there for you? If someone's going through, anything that it's that's how you disciple and be discipled and just just take a step um and i think when all of us do that individually the billions of christians in the world jeez then that's when we'll see all nations discipled wow wow i want to say this and then i'm gonna turn it over to them to really pray for you and and minister to you i I want to share this with you um the reason I asked them to come up is because I've watched you guys over the last two years and you've grown exponentially. Um, we've grown in our relationship together and I've just watched you lead well, um, really lead well. And as a pastor, my wife and I, we talk about y'all often. And uh, I felt like you guys needed to pour that out. And, and, and I said this because of this one thing. You've got, you guys intentionally went from machine gun to sniper. And I'm going to explain what I mean when I say that. With a machine gun, your goal is to hit as many targets as you possibly can, not even knowing if the target or collateral damage will happen. But when you're sniping, you're, you're going after one specific person. And I watched you guys in the lobby just find one person and I don't care if Noah's running around or Riley's running around or Lily want to climb up and down you're going to sit there with them until we turn the alarm on or until they have to go to love them that's discipleship that's discipleship it's it's not hey look I always share this with you when uh, Carson and I have we always talk about I can't disciple on Sunday morning I'm too busy trying to speak to everyone. But when we get into the smaller settings and coffees and hangouts and, you know, all those things, that's when true discipleship begins to unfold. And you start seeing people grow in who the Lord is. I want to say this. All of you guys are leaders and all of you guys are disciplers. Start looking into the depths of the person heart that is next to you. See the brokenness of their lives. Right here in this room, there are people that are broken. And we're caught up on trying to get to the platform that we're missing the platform of the person heart that is sitting next to us. 
And I don't want us to be that church. I do not want us to be that church. I don't care. We're going to grow. This church is going to grow. I'm sorry. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to explode. But we will never lose that heart of leadership and discipleship. And last thing I'm going to say this. You cannot have discipleship and not want to evangelize. If you're a true disciple, you want to go win the loss. You, you want to see the house full. Because that was Jesus' heart. It's like, I want the house full. I want my house full. I want. He even tells the story of the wedding feast. Like, man, go beat the hedges. Go get the highways. Go get all the, if the people who think they have it together don't want to come, go get the ones who don't have it together and fill the house with them. So you cannot be a disciple and, and want to be alone or want to be uh, us four and no more. This is my group. I'm telling y'all, I am every, I'm at volleyball games, football games, grocery stores, flea markets, car dealership, gas stations, sniping, snipe attack, sneak attacking everybody. Hey man, why don't you come to Anchor Chapel? You know, we were checking in people at a volleyball game yesterday, and uh, people come out like, hey, look, we're gonna see the website. Come to Anchor Chapel. What well, that St. Gabriel? That ain't far. You drive all the way out to the Tanker Outlet Mall. So you mean to tell me you can't come to church? It's really not that far. Come on out. Yeah. And uh, I've watched you guys do that. And so uh, I want to encourage you guys to do the same. Amen. Yeah. Can y'all do the same? Yeah. Amen. Come on. Let's give it up for Michelle and Andy. And you guys are close us out. So, um, yeah, join an anchor group. Get in an anchor group. Lead one if you can. Um, I think about what Pastor just said. He said, um, when you're evangelizing, you invite people to church. But what I love about two anchor groups is sometimes you'll meet people that are burnt by church and you can invite them to your home. You can invite them to your anchor group, to your friends. You say, hey, my friends and I are getting together for a Bible study. You don't even have to drop the name Anchor Chapel. Eventually, when they love you and they love the group, they, they, they'll bring them in. Maybe they'll get healed but from the from the burnt uh, church that they came from, that they'll, they'll experience healing in their life. And so um, just, yeah, step up and just keep your eyes open because something I've noticed and I, I really believe and I've been dreaming and praying for is that I do think, and you've seen it this summer, if you guys don't know, normally in the summer, churches don't grow too much. They kind of stagnate. But we've experienced quite a bit of growth this summer, which means this fall, we're going to experience a lot of growth, which means we need people to step it up. And so just keep your eyes open. I don't mean step it up. You have to serve or, or if you don't have time, but just keep your eyes open for hurting people that are coming over and be that sniper. See people and say, I see that person. I know where they've been. I've been there too. Maybe I can speak hope into their life. So um, to close out, we just kind of wanted to speak to two different people in this room. Um, some of you, again, might look at leadership and discipleship and think, man, I'm not ready. I am still failing daily. I struggle with whatever your it is. Um, but we look at Paul who had the thorn in his side and was like, God, I don't know if you're ever going to take this from me, but I will continue to serve you in spite of that thorn. So this morning, whatever is holding you back, 
um, I have a scripture that I want to encourage you with. And then some of you might be like, okay, I'm hearing all of this, but like I haven't accepted Jesus yet. And really when we talk about discipleship, that is where it starts, is Jesus. If you don't know him, um, it'll be much harder to grow because as a leader, you will fail until the day you die. But to be able to experience his mercy and grace through that growth and that process is what keeps us going. So I want to read to you this morning. It's Romans 8, 1 through 11. So now, this is in the Passion Translation. Um, It's not going to be on the screen. They were not prepared for this. This was like a last minute thing I was reading, um, and I just felt like God put it on my heart. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt of power and sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits them. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the sense and reason of the flesh is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit leads to life. And I'm going to skip down to verse 9. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. You are joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One. Now Christ lives in you, and even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life, and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to the life, the same life as the spirit that breathes life in you. I know that's a lot. I recommend that you go back and read through Romans 8. It is very encouraging. But just know that this morning, for those, the first ones that I was speaking to, that you're already a leader, you've accepted Christ, but maybe you're not stepping up more because of your fear of your failure. Christ already covered that at the cross. He knew you would fail, and he still called you by name. And for those of you that don't know the Lord this morning, and you still come in with that shame and the guilt and the weight of your sin, he's telling you again that he already erased that. All you have to do is receive his free gift. So I'm going to pray for you guys this morning um, as we close out. If you would like to stand with us as we pray before we go. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for everyone in this room this morning. Lord God, I thank you for those watching online, Father. I pray that your word uh, would be an encouragement, Father God, that each person this morning would see their worth in you, Father God, that through your death, that life was brought to them, Father God, and that they would be encouraged by your word, God, to step up, and that we could each be leaders in our home, in our workplace, in ministry, God, so that we can see the nations changed for you, Father God. We praise you and we love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. If you'd like to learn more about Anchor Chapel or support our ministries, you can visit anchorchapel.com or 
follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.